Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, and this is another episode of Ones to Watch. And it's quite a surreal one, guys. This is with Billy Dennis, the Turkish Tyson, as he is known here in the northwest of England. Billy is someone I've watched grow up from being a kid coming into the kickboxing gym to going on to become what looks to be a potential star in the UK in boxing. And it's really good that we've been able to sit down and reminisce on those times during the kickboxing days, but also focus on where Billy's at in his career and the moves he's made to get himself into the position he currently is at at the moment and where his future lies within this sport and what the potential is going to be for him. So I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing all about Billy Dennis. So without further ado, I'll bring Billy into the show and you'll hear our conversation about his boxing career and how he transitioned into it and his goals for the future. Welcome to the show, Billy. It was really great to have you on the Ones to Watch BTR Boxing Podcast Network show. And it's uh, it's really surreal to have you on because I've watched you grow from a young boy in kickboxing, in the kickboxing dim in Droylsden, to become this solid professional who's sparring with the likes of Arta Baterbiev and, and going on all these little adventures different places across the world and then watching you with fellow professionals who are being touted for big things and you know you seem to be surrounding yourself with these people that look like they're gonna go on this upward trajectory so it's great having you on and 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 being able to sort of talk about like where this journey's started out and where it is and where it's potentially going so for the benefit of the people that don't know what your background is it is from kickboxing and you transitioned into boxing but just tell a little bit for the listeners and the benefit of those like where it all began for you yeah definitely i just want to say thanks for having me on sean you know it's nice to see you again like you said we we've you've seen me grow from a young boy so it's a bit mad for me this how we're having this conversation but but yeah it all started when i was you know my mum took me to the kickboxing gym i always wanted to go to north side you know being from drawsden like right near around the corner from clayton that, that was the thing like north side boxing gym was firing you know pure amateur champions some professionals you know what I mean so it was like a thing it was like going playing football like go to the boxing gym mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so then my mum just ended up taking me to the kickboxing gym instead. We had, um, that it was my best mate, Mikey at the time, you know, he went to the class first and his mum was like, oh, you should really bring Billy, he'd love it. So we went and then I never looked back since. I picked it up very well. It was just like second nature to me. And then now we're here. Yeah, you know you're here, but in between though, you've done quite a lot, didn't you, within kickboxing? It wasn't just a case of you got in there, you trained, you became really fit. You actually went on and, and competed in tournaments, uh, licensed tournaments, and actually won different accolades, didn't you? So, so what was what was that experience like for you doing that, and and did that give you a taste of of kind of what you felt was to come in the future? Yeah, definitely. Do you know what? From being from starting it so young and getting as I grow. Uh, got older and stuff you know I just feel like I was new I wanted to fight that's all I wanted to do as you know yourself like I was always like asking for fights and my instructor wanted me to get to a certain age before he wanted me to start fighting and that and then once we started fighting that's when it was like yeah this is what I want to do and this is what I'm here to do this is what I was born to do but yeah the tournaments were great it's it's experience from for what I am now and the style I am now like I'm not a, I'm not a boxer so it's I get a lot of things that my attributes are from kickboxing, the movement, the switching feet, you know. But yeah, I'm thankful for it all. But you transitioned over to the sport, and I remember when you first started considering this transition, I remember me and you chatting, actually, because I knew quite a few people from doing the boxing media, and I remember you saying you were going to Pat Barrett's, Collierst and Mostyn, and that you were going to go over to Matthew Hatton's, and then there was just various different places to go and try out, so... What was it like the first time you started going into the boxing gyms and, and tried to sort of adapt that fighting style? Well, you know, it's kickboxing and boxing, two totally different sports, but I've always been more better with my hands. I always used to throw a lot more punches and kicks, but I remember when I first went to Pat Barrett's gym and, you know, I was just on the bag in there and, like, the trainers were a bit, like, shocked, sucked back by me, like, they were like, have you never boxed before? I was like, nah, kickbox. And they was like, wow, you're really good, do you know what I mean? You, yeah, I've got potential there. And I was like, oh. Nice, and he's like, do you not fancy switching? And I was like, nah, nah. And then I remember one night, because I only knew Tommy McDonough, who was the amateur coach at the time, and um, Calvin. And then I remember once I was on the bag, ripping into the bag in the circuit, and Pat walked in. But I didn't know who Pat was at this time. Yeah. And Pat's like, who's this kid? Who's this kid? And I was like, oh, I'm a kickboxer, blah, blah. He's like, what way did you fight at? And I was telling him, well, I was young at the time and you know I, I used to fight a heavyweight yeah. I was a big kid you know I was like 16 I was like 95 plus key um, so yeah he's like oh I found my heavyweight I found my heavyweight come you come into the pros you come into the pros so it just stemmed from there really you know I started going to the pros I only went to improve my hands for my my, my fitness for my kickboxing fights you know because there's nothing like boxing as I know now even more fittest sport in the world and most disciplined so so yeah that's all it all stemmed really it's been a journey so far and, and you know, I'm what like I say, I'm watching from afar and I'm seeing transition and I'm seeing the professional fights start to rack up and the wins are start are racking up and I'm thinking to myself, Billy's gonna be probably on T V this time in twelve months and just going to like the shows recently, I've 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 seen you being there and you you're in that environment and you know, you've you've made a recent transition to a new trainer, which we'll, we'll obviously talk about. Uh, and you're in a certain camp now, which is, is is very famous across Manchester, and it's got some really fantastic fighters in there. And you've kind of come from, you know, you've come from from a different background. You've transitioned into this sport. You've started your professional career over at the Phoenix camp when the Phoenix camp was running, and then due to unforeseen circumstances, you weren't able to carry that career on here. So then you had to make that move, which must have been difficult because trying to find the right trainer 
even though there's plenty of great trainers across Greater Manchester and the North West, that must have been a bit of a difficult one for you. So how did you how did you make the decision to move to where you are now? Joe, you know what, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, like when when Robert left, when Robert whatever what happened with Robert was a very tough time for me. You know, I just had a fight. I was we just I just had three fights that year, blistered onto the scene, like I was stopping kids left, right and centre. And me and Robert, like, we had, we just gelled perfectly and we really started to step things up and then all that happened. And I went on holiday just before it all happened, uh, just as it happened. And I was like, on holiday thinking, wow, what am I going to do when I get home? Like, what, what, what's, yeah. why, what, 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 what are we going to do? And then I stayed here training with Charlie. Charlie took over for a bit, but we, we all knew Charlie wasn't going to be a permanent coach. So it was just like kind of slowing down what was going to happen. And I was just, sat here thinking like where am I going to go who am I going to go to like I want to make I don't want to gym hop do you know what I mean I don't want to go right there for a few weeks and think oh it's not for me and then boom so what really made me help made me decision was what the where the other lads went to you know all the most of the stable stable went to Joe Gallagher's so I thought if they're all going then I need to go I need to see what this hype's about I need to see what this buzz is about and the only regret I have is not going there sooner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was the last person out of this gym to... I was just in here, coming here, doing my own thing, doing my bar backgrounds by myself, staying fit, you know, because I thought, because if I do go to a gym, I want to be fit at the gym. don't want to have to come back a parcel and then have to prove myself. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's my only regret, not not going to Joe sooner. So did you go to Joe? Did you have to do, like, a bit of a trial period with Joe? Because I can, I can imagine... Knowing Joe and knowing the fighters that have been with him and, and, you know, he's very methodical about what he does and he's very cautious about who he lets in his gym and who he lets come around him and his fighters. So was there like some sort of initiation that you had to do to be able to prove that you were worthy enough for him to train you? Yeah, like we had, we done it like a two-week initiation, you know. You turn up when Joe says turn up and you do what Joe says and... If he likes you, he likes you. If he doesn't, you don't. You know, there's the door. If he don't like you, he obviously likes me. We gelled. We gelled, to be fair. You know, Joe's a very good coach. He's very old school. And I, I like old school, you know. It keeps me in form. It keeps you in check. And there's no cutting corners with Joe. And there's just so much knowledge there. Like, it's been tested and proven with Joe multiple times, you know. Callum Smith, Liam Smith, Tasha Jonas, Paul Butler. Like, the list goes on. British champions. I remember when Mark Efron fought the other week and the British belt, the Lonsdale belt was there in the gym and Joe pulled me over and was like, I've had three super middleweights, two light heavyweights, one cruiserweight, this weight, that weight, win this belt. And he said, you're going to be number whatever on whatever weight. And I was like, like just, it just made me realise again there, like this man's been tested and proved, uh, been tested and proven multiple times. So why not go there? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really big decision. And when I seen the news watching from afar, I was like, oh my God, he's he, he gone Joe Gallagher. And I'm like, this could be really the thing that, that steps into that next level now, you know, with uh, having that transition from going from Phoenix and, and obviously Rob Brimmer and the changes there to then going to, to Gallagher. And, and with the greatest of respect, you know, Joe's on a different level than, than most trainers in this area. And as a result of that, you can tap into that knowledge but it's not just that. I don't. I think that 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 that's big about that. It's the camp itself. It's the history of of Champs Camp. It's the it's the legacy that that has behind it and what Joe was 
about in the 80s and the 90s and it's also about who he has with him at the moment as well so obviously Jack Massey went over there as well obviously you've got Mark Efron over there Tassa Jonas is obviously coming towards the end of her career and she'll be finishing up but you know she's probably got one or two big fights in her left so you're surrounded by uh, champions or, or ex-world champions or people that pop in the gym that are former world champions and that must give you that sort of inspiration and determination to think I'm going to be next on that list yeah definitely for like for Joel to have me training in his camp that said that says something about me like he would if he don't see it like a, a fire in me or a spark or potential then he wouldn't have me training you know I said it on a pod, uh, an interview the other day Joel's very passionate about boxing that's what I've noticed about him like he loves the sport he lives and breathes it you know like he sends me videos of fights or he'll put fights in the chat you know what I mean? He knows everything, what's going on, who's fighting here, where, like, and I like that about Joe because it, it makes it proves to us, like, you know, he's switched on. He's he's not like a mug. He's not messing about. Even being in the changing room with him, with some of his fighters, and he's like, he's like on everything. Like, no, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's on it. He's on the ball. You can't get away with anything. And I love that about Joe. But like you said, having that experience around the gym, like you said, Tasha Jonas, Paul Butler. Jack Massey's been big at domestic level, just waiting for that breakthrough. Even up-and-coming prospects like Jake Dodd, you know, just uh, won the, uh, fought, come bronze in the Commonwealth, you know. Josh Holmes flying through the scene, hopefully getting a title soon. Sean, who's just got two, won two belts. There's loads of them. McCauley McGowan, very experienced, you know, started to settle at his own weight now and you'll be expecting big things. The whole gym is booming and it's it's just, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Yeah, it's big and, and, and I'm really pleased for you as an individual because it's, it's kind of, to me that shows a, a statement of intent of where you're going to go in your career. If you're with someone like Joe, you think if this this is a fighter that's going to win at least a domestic title and, and that's kind of like the benchmark with Joe and his fighters in most of his fighters go on to win at least British titles, some of them European, some of them world, some of them multiple world titles. And and as a result of that, you know, that brings that sort of fame, notoriety, pressure and everything that comes with it. But, you know, it's not just being with Joe that, that, that I've seen that has been a big experiences for you. One of the biggest things I saw in the last 18 months was the fact that you went over to spar and train with Artip Terbiev, the, the best light heavyweight on the planet at the moment, one of the best fighters in the world. And that must have been one hell of an experience. And how did that come about? Do you know what? I don't even know. I think um I think my manager helps and I think Lyndon's been over there. Lyndon Arthur's been yep. sparring with him for when he fought um is it Joel Smith? Yes. Yeah, I think Lyndon went over there. So I think Kevin, my manager, helped sort that out. So then I think when it come around that he was fighting Yard, Mark must have said, uh, better be as trainer if you don't need like light heavyweights. Like, for, and then in, Kevin just threw me and Callum Simpson's name out there and they said yes. And we got there and it, do you know what? Like, the, like I was saying, I didn't know what gym to go to and I was a bit, I was in a bit of a thing. Like I was just stuck in the gym. I was still training hard, but I was doing my own thing, you know, doing whatever. And that came about and I think it come about at the perfect time because I just needed to get away from here and really think about things and it really opened my eyes about this sport you know like we're professional athletes at the end of the day and the start of it professional you know you need to act professional be professional in all aspects in and out of the ring and that's what going to that camp showed me you know I, I love food you know I'm a big foodie 
I, like I said, I used to fight kickboxing heavyweight, and ne- the weight was never a problem. Cutting weight was never a problem. But um, I used to. I I remember after like my pro fights, I'd balloon up to like fifteen stone because in like within like weeks, because I'm just eating what I want and doing what I want, still training, but ballooning up. Yeah. But when I went over there, they were saying like, you know, you can't really be doing that. I don't like my. F- Mark was saying, I don't let his fighters go over a certain weight because you never know what can happen. And I could get a phone call tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and say, can you meet like heavy in two weeks? Yeah, I could. Do you know what I mean? So if I was 15 stone, then I've just wasted that opportunity and that could change your life. Do you know what I mean? That one fight. So going to Canada was just like a big eye opener for me and a massive experience. And I'm very thankful for it. For for And the time it happened was just perfect. So the question that's probably going to be on everybody's lips is um, how was it? How was trading with him? How was sparring with him? Because obviously we know his power. We know what he can do in a ring. We know his experience. People are saying he's the best light heavyweight of this generation, that nobody's going to beat him, that Dimitri Bivo won't beat him. And he's got this big fight coming up with Callum Smith now rescheduled for January. And it's, you know... There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk about him as an individual, but you've been there firsthand and experienced it. And I know sparring's different. I, I I totally get it, and I totally understand that you're working on things technically. You're not always in there to to knock bumps out of each other. But what was that experience like, and what was it like to share the ring with him? Well, you know, going there, getting asked to go there, he's hearing all these stories like, oh, his power, and he's knocking all his sparring partners out. You know, I've never been stopped, I've never been beaten in my life, and anything, you know, kickboxing or whatever. Never been dropped, never been hurt, you know, and I sparred big cruiserweights like Jack and that. And I was thinking, right, I'm hearing all these stories like, please don't get get me here now all the way to Canada and you sparred me out in the first spar. But but nah, you know, it is true, like he hits hard. Like I was saying, I sparred with Jack Massey, you know, big punch and all for it. And it's just like different sides of power, but I just think I would not want to be here in 10 ounce gloves. It's going to be a, either a very short night or if you've got a chin and you can take a bit, it's going to be a long night, a grueling night. And it's just his presence. Like, he's just there. Yeah. He don't leave. It's just there. Like, it's mentally draining, like, his presence. It's like he doesn't take his foot off the gas. Mm. And it's like he's just going, fit off, fit off, fit off, fit. As the round's gone, it's like, he's not budging. He's, he's, he's increasing the work rate. And it's like, go away. Do you know what I mean? Like, get, get away from me. But very humble guy, you know, very funner. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think it. He just looks like a dead mean, mean guy, but he's dead funner. Very humble. You know, he's a very, very relig- uh, religious man, you know, which I think that comes with it. And yeah, the team treated us like, they was perfect. You know, they couldn't treat us any better. Mark and the rest of the lads, even some of the rival lads, we know we met some of the guys who like designed the rival stuff. And we met Russ, who owns rival, M- mega guys. Mega, it was mega experience. Yeah, it's really, really good that you've got that at such a, an early stage of your boxing career because I don't think many would get the opportunity to go over and spar with someone like Arta Paterbiev and, and you and Callum go over and you get that great experience and both of you are doing really well in your boxing career. So coming to your boxing career now, professional fights, how many have you had now? Nine now. So it's nine, so it's flew by. It's flew by the fact no, that I've been in two years. Yeah, well, that's good. That's what you want. You want to be active. You don't want to be inactive, do you? You want to move through the rankings. But taking it back to when you first started, when you first transitioned, what was the difference like getting in the boxing ring and not going there naturally to throw a roundhouse or a spinning back kick or anything that relates to kickboxing? What was it like trying to sort of go in there and do it completely different than what you're used to? 
Well, do you know what? Because we, we had such a... We, we made sure that the transition was proper. Like, I was a big guy. Rob didn't want me to fight it that way, which I understand, you know, boxing's different. These big monsters at cruiserweight or heavyweight or whatever. So it took me a good six months. We used the six months to transition, get the weight down, and just slowly improve the boxing and transition into the boxing sort of style. Not take everything away, because some of the attributes are from the kickboxing things I do. So we just used that six months to like get the weight down and focus on a debut and we had a debut and it was it was amazing, you know. Like I said, I've always preferred using my hands. So I feel comfortable just using my hands as well, you know. Don't get me wrong, I've had some spars and I've had some fights and I think I'd love to just open for that right now. I could just pop my leg up and pop <laughs> you in the face, you know what I mean? But but yeah, um, it is two totally different sports. It's crazy, like how things, even the way we punch in kickboxing and stuff, it's it's just totally different, you know. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I've I've started training boxing at Marvin's, and naturally my hands always go higher than where they should be. So when I'm put when I'm putting a guard up, I'm naturally like I was always doing that rather than sort of doing this, which is which is you need to be close in and protect yeah. your body and protect your face and. It was it is a weird transition, but I think it's one that you can get used to pretty quickly, especially if you've had that background and you've had that experience and, and you've been in the ring. And, and that's kind of what I found different to doing it as well, was like, you know, you talked about Paterbi, I mean, you talked about his presence always being there. And I think when you're in the ring, when you're sparring somebody, you, you know, you're either going to go two ways, you're either going to start taking backwards steps and looking for the ropes in the corners, or you, you're going to keep, you're going to hold centre ring and you're going to just do them small steps out of, backwards sideways whatever it is you need to do to move around your opponent so it, it's a massive difference and trying to adapt from from setting yourself up for a certain kick to setting yourself up for a, for a certain punch isn't as easy as i don't I, what people may think i think people just have this automatic assumption that maybe because you can do one you can do the other and that doesn't necessarily mean that because you came from a kickboxing background and didn't essentially have an amateur boxing career and some people swear by the fact that you have to have an amateur boxing career. So how how has that been different for you? Is this is this why you've been so active is, is to kind of build up that resume now before then big fights start coming? Yeah, definitely. We've got you know, when you've boxed at when you've boxed at amateur level for a lot of years, you've got that experience, you know, obviously pro and amateur are two totally different things, you understand that, but you've still got the boxing experience behind you, you know. You've done this, done that. So that's what it is for me now, just ticking boxes, you know ticking boxes of what's to come or what can happen and can I deal with that you know like even like third fighting for Southpaw you know what I mean just little things like that um, ticking boxes that's what the small the small hall shows are for you know trial and error um, and that's what we're doing at the moment you know I'm young I'm 22 there's no rush you know not a lot of people turn pro at this age you know I'm nowhere near Pete so there's no rush that's why it's trial and error make them mistakes now before we're on top and it's too late and it costs us, you know, a loss. Yeah. And that that's always been my worry with fighters. And I've always said every time I've, I've, I've reviewed shows or I've done podcasts or whatever, my, my thing has always been like, stop trying to rush a certain fighter into a certain fight because you want the money quicker if you're the promoter or you're the management team. And I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen with you, but I've always sort of looked at you and thought, well, he's transitioned from this sport to this sport. He hasn't got that amateur background, so he's got to learn on the job. He's got to have these learning fights because eventually, you know, when he does come up against somebody that isn't as as 
isn't just going to go away straight away after the first combination or, or or isn't you're not going to be able to dominate them like you've dominated other opponents that's where your learning really begins and that's where you get that that chance to sort of get into that ad, ad, level of adversity where you can you can learn from that and then you can adapt to it and then you you're not just got the same game plan you've got game plans a b c and d and maybe even e depending on the fight you've got facing you in the other corner but it's it's about making sure that you, you you get the right experiences because if you know I always say if you end up fighting twenty journeymen you're not going to learn if you're going to learn something from maybe the first ten fights and then after that you're just going to start to coast with these guys and then when you do come up against somebody I remember very famously Matt Zelfa Barrett that's who it happened to and I remember Zelfa getting twenty fights into his career and then coming up against Ronnie Clark who was a legit step up for him and he lost that fight because. I don't think he'd had the experience of of fighting somebody like him and the guys he'd fought before with all due respect wasn't wasn't really giving him the test that he needed. So that's always been my sort of worry with fighters is is don't rush them too soon. So it's good that you've had die fights in two years. But I worry like that they're gonna try and fast track you sooner because of your reputation, you're starting to grow a really good following, you're you know, you're being seen around really good individuals. You've got a good network of people around you. You're at Joe Gallagher's gym. Um, I know Joe probably wouldn't want to throw you into a fight, and he'd probably refuse. If the, a fight came tomorrow and it was a big fight, and he doesn't think you're ready for it, I know he wouldn't throw you in there. That, that's what Joe's like. But is is there a is there a worry that that might happen where they might come along, Kev Marie might get a phone call and say, look, we've got this slot on this show, it's a TV show, um, we're wanting to fight this individual in, in his division we're going to pay him X amount of pounds to do so initially you'd have to think about it but ultimately what, what would you what would your thoughts be on something like that happening like I said it all depends on how, how I am like if I'm ready if, you know if I've been sparring recently and how soon that fight is and you know I've got a good team around me like you said Joe's Joe's very like I said before Joe's very switched on he's you know he's not a mug you don't, you don't get you don't let things slide or let little stupid things happen and Kevin's a amazing manager you know Kevin's stable growing massively you know he's uh, he manages a lot of the top kids now on Sky Sports and upcoming prospects like myself so yeah um, I trust in Kevin and I trust in Joe and I don't think anything stupid like that would ever happen you know we're not there's a future age you know what I mean there's, it's a product and it's something we're building on so there's no point of throwing it in the bin for just say a little payday or just to please someone else, you know. I'll be, I'll step up when I'm ready. When we're when we're ready to step up, and that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, and that's good, and that's that's exactly what I was expecting you to say. To be honest with you, because you just you would I wouldn't want to see that happen. You know, to some not just not, not somebody that, that I, don't know, I, I follow, but somebody that I know uh, and have watched grow up through this sport and then transition into the point where he's becoming quite well known in this particular area of the northwest, and eventually that's going to transition nationally where. Or the fighters are going to be taking a notice of you and, and starting to look at, and maybe this is a guy I'm going to face in the future. So, you know, what 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 sort of campaign are you looking at at the moment in terms of division wise? Because I know you've kind of fluctuated a little bit finding weight. So, have have you got a sort of defined weight of where you're going to be going forward? Yeah, I, I fight like heavy at the moment, and I think we're probably going to end up staying there. But you never know; stuff could happen. I could move up. I could go down. You know, I'm growing, and just depends on how. You know, I don't want to be one of these fighters. Like I see some fighters, and they look like they, like the way, and they just look like dead. And I'm like, 
I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I've never had to do it in kickboxing. So like, I don't want my performances and stuff like that to be affected just because you wanted to make a little weight, a few pounds down. Do you know what I mean? There's no point. Like, you need to be happy in your body and feel good in yourself. I don't, I don't care like about whatever. It's, it's how I feel as a person and it's how I feel in my own body. Like, if I feel good at a weight, then I'll do it. If I don't, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Simple. But yeah. like, it's like you said, of all these small horseholes and that, it's like trial and error. You know, and it's like, like you said about the journeyman, obviously, eventually, you're gonna, you are going to have to step up and have 50-50s and do this and do that. But that when you're ready, like, that's why I'm glad I went to Canada as well because, obviously, you're fighting, not, not even everyone I thought has been a journeyman, you know, thought, like, some people with a bit of a winning record, some people with a few stoppages, you know, on, like, some tough journeyman who thought, like, the likes of Felix Cash and Dan Aziz and stuff, you know, um... So I've had, so I've been tested already quite a few times, you know, and that's why I'm kind of glad I went to Canada because it, it was it made me realise like I am worth worthy of this level, you know. He didn't like walk over me. We stood there sometimes and like went bang for bang. Do you know what I mean? The the trainer was looking at me after like you're crazy, like because I was stood there, you know, banging with him, and I'm like. That's just how I am, you know. I fight with passion, you know. I'm a tough kid. I've been around fighting all my life, you know. I've been fighting men since I was the age of 14, 15, as you know, sparring big men, heavyweights, you know. And I'm confident in, in myself. And going Canada just made made me increase that confidence even more. So what what is the immediate plan for you now? We've had married fights where sort of in the last quarter of 2023 and we've got obviously the next year to sort of plan out where you're going to go. Ideally, where would you want to be by the end of next year? Hopefully on some sort of, on some sort of platform, you know, I think a few more fights, get into the 11s, the 12s and then maybe we're ready for that little TV step up, you know, whoever wants to sign me um, or if they if get signed. But yeah, I think I'm ready for that little step up by the end of next year, you know. When I had my, third, my last fight, I was only with Joe like two months. So it's not really enough time to properly gel. And I feel like now we're properly gelled and things are coming together and improving all the time. You know, Joe's very happy with what I'm doing. Sometimes shouts at me for training too much because I'm not fighting. But, you know, I'm a young lad, you know, I stay in the gym and stay working. I don't know, I'm not fighting and stuff, but it's just in my head, like, I feel like I'm slacking, but, you know, it is what it is. You need rest as well. But probably just like maybe at very end of the year, Christmas time, probably probably not even this year now, probably like February, March, next fight, sit, take another box, get another six rounder, and maybe do an eight rounder, you know, and just see see where the see where the ball goes. Yeah. Have you got a, a specific goal in mind with where you want to go eventually? Because I know everybody's different everybody has like a minimum benchmark of what they want to achieve some people say you know if you're in this to be nothing but a world champion then why are you in this at all what what what's your take on that nah i'm not i'm not here to like just just to do it for fun you know what i mean i'm here to like give it a go do you know what i mean and whether i get to world title level or not you know i'm going to give it my all and my best to get to that level and i think really truly I will get to that level you know I'm worthy of that level and like we said I'm young and I don't I'm not putting a time cap on anything and yeah. I'm not I'm not doing anything because the more I do that the more I put pressure on myself to rush you know I'm 22 name a world champion that's under 25 
there's not many of them. Exactly. So, especially not in big weight divisions like mine. There's all the lower ones. Yeah, there's all the lower ones because there's only like a couple guys in that weight. Yeah. Like, look at Jake Dodd's weight, for example. You know, he's probably about 10 guys in the whole weight category because he's only like this big. <laughs> Poor fella. But, uh, but yeah, so he can fast track through, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Few fights and you like bold world title. Do you know what I mean? Like that super middle to cruiserweight level is just even domestically like. It's rocking, isn't yeah, it? It's really rocking. rocking. Them free weights are rocking at the moment. So it's like, you just got to take it fight by fight. Because I, I don't want to be, I never lost in kickboxing. So I don't know, like, I do what I do this boxing unbeaten. Because I've never had that pill to swallow. Yeah. You know, I'd rather get my ass kicked in sparring than lose under them bright lights. Do you know what I mean? It'd be a very tough pill to swallow. But then again... Den- was it Denzel Washington says if you if you're not if you don't fail you're not working hard yeah. enough. So maybe I will fail and maybe I will come short one night and that might make me an even better fighter or a better person for it. But you know I've maintained undefeated in kickboxing, so I'd love to maintain that here. And I know it's and it's a very hard sport to do that, but got to give it a go. Yeah, I mean it's a big ask. I think sometimes fighters out there can be guilty of trying to hang on to that record um and i have always said records are for djs and, and not for boxing because you, you know we've seen well that's a good example of that would be last weekend smith eubank you're there to support your your campmate mark heffron he's defending his british title jack cullen who's you know had some good fights then he lost his last fight against diego pajeo stepped up a, you know against a really pro- big prospects and you think to yourself well i know i was watching it thinking i think mark's got this one and then jack pulls that punch quicker than what Mark does and, and, and stops him. And then all of a sudden, after having four losses on his record and two draws, he's British champion, Commonwealth champion. And and that's how that's how these things can go sometimes. So I think there's always a, a an issue with like a lot of fighters do hang on to the fact that they want to stay that way. However, I think what, what you're trying to say here is like, look, I'd love to be undefeated, but if that doesn't happen that doesn't happen as long as I'm learning as long as it makes me a better fighter if I ha- if I do end up taking a defeat then that's the main thing out of it all because some some other people have different mentalities don't they some people might say yeah well, you shouldn't have that mentality shouldn't you you're not even thinking about the possibility of losing but it just, is that just not putting too much pressure on yourself as an individual yeah of course it's not that look at all the greats like Mayweather and Joe Carlzaga like there's two people. Rocky Marciano was the other one to retire yeah. undefeated. So I mean, like, there's three people out of how many boxers, how many greats, you know, when there is arguments with, like, how Mayweather picked his fighters and when he fought them and that. Like, he fought Canelo when he was a baby. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying he wouldn't beat Canelo now, but it'd be a totally different fight. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, look at Canelo, the pound for pound at the moment, just lost to Bivol. No, no one's really bothered that he lost to Bivol, you yeah. know. Um, he's lost He's lost to the Mayweather uh, drew a triple G do you know what I mean like and he's still one of the greatest ever and will go down as one of the greatest probably the greatest Mexican boxer of all yep. time you know when you've got the likes of Muhammad Ali classic yep. you know is he three time world champion he was three time world champion so that means you got it you lost it you got it again yep. you lost it you got it again Mike Tyson been beat one of my personal favourite boxer baddest man ever to, to live and step in that ring do you know what I mean so even your domestic level people like um, Carl Froch, yeah. people like that, they've they've been beat. Yeah. Tony Bell, you've been beat, but still achieved greatness. 
Do you know what I mean? A lot more than other people have. So I think I'd, and what I'm trying to say is that I'd, if I'd, if I could pick to be undefeated but not a world champion or to be beaten and become a world champion, yeah. I'm obviously going to pick the beaten and world champion yeah, because that's more important. It's not it's not how you get there. It's not the journey that matters. It's if you get there on. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you could, it's boxing's like this. Like a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, speed bumps, rocky, everything, different terrains, all of it. It's just a mad, a mad, mad thing. Like, look at my career in the past two years. You know, I'd come to the Phoenix camp where the great Ricky Atten and that trained with Billy Graham and stuff. Me and Rob gelled really well. Me and Rob was going to probably be like that next big, like, kind of like Jack Cattrall and, you know. Jamie Moore. Yeah, Jamie yeah, yeah. Moore vibe. And yeah. Everyone was saying it, you know, when it, and it was just a bit, like, kind of unfortunate. And now... I, I took a little step back from boxing, trained myself and that. And then, thankfully, I had good stable mates that was like, come on, come to Joel's. You know, if it weren't for Jack and Jack Massa, constantly saying, come on, come down to Joel's, come down to Joel's and Josh Holmes, probably would never have went there. And Joel, I was thinking, is it even for me this? Like, I sh why is all this stuff happening to me? Like, I've just settled in a mint gym and then this has happened. So there's like another hiccup. Then I'm at Joel's now. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, now I feel like I'm established and I can really get the ball rolling again. And now I feel like how me and Rob was, me and Joe are at that level now. So we're gelling really well and I'm just, I'm expecting big things yeah. between me and Joe. Yeah, there's there's definitely a future there. And I think I can see it. And I think this is why strategically I picked this this time to come and do this with you because I knew, you know, a few more fights down the line and I don't think it'll be too much longer. I'd say in the next two years, you're probably going to be fighting for at least an area title, uh, if not being pushed on for, for more domestic titles, whether it's an English or whether it ends up going on to be a British. You know, there's there's certainly, you know, a lot of potential with yourself and it's exciting because it's exciting watching somebody grow up from a young age to go to where they're at now and then sort of see that progression from afar and... I'm really excited to sort of see where things go. And the one thing we haven't even spoke about on doing this episode is like your nickname. You mentioned Tyson being sort of your favourite fighter, but you've got the nickname Turkish Tyson because of your heritage. Um, so just talk a little bit about you doing that and putting that nickname into place. Or was it somebody else? Or was it you? Yeah, it wasn't even me. The, my manager, Kevin, just started like calling it me. And I was like, after my debut because... If as you don't, I don't think you can really watch my debut because it was on Fight Zone, so you'd have to be a subscriber. But like when I watched that fight back, I can understand why people were calling at me on the night. You know, I'm doing a lot of Tyson work, slipping that way, switching that way, hook up, uh, hook up a cup, you know, body head bump, double left ducks, you know, very low, very aggressive because I was fighting a taller man, you know. So it kind of was Tyson S, and that's kind of my style. You know, I move my head a lot, I'm aggressive, throw a lot of hooks, a lot of body shots. So I switch my feet. I'm there. I'm there. You know, and it's pressure to have that name, but it's also like, mm, people must think something about me. Yes. Call me that. Yeah, you've been labelled that a few times by different people. I've noticed that. They've, uh, the start of their interviews and the first thing they refer to is uh, the nickname and, and, and obviously the fighting style. And there's certainly a lot of things to look forward to with you. I'm genuinely excited and I'm sure people watching, listening will certainly be tuning in to see where you go in the future next 12 months how many fights do you want what's what's your ideal end to the year and are you looking to sort of push on in 2025 is that is have you got a certain goal with you know not not so much an age cap but more so a sort of a, a 
a, a time cap on, on where you want to be at a certain point of your career. Well, yeah, definitely. You know, unfortunately, we can't get another fight for this year. So I feel that's another, that's, that's two fights I've missed out on this year. So I'll just want 2024, get them fights in, get four to five fights in maybe, three to four to five. Um, and then 2025, we're ready then to take the foot off the gas a bit, maybe push for a central area, maybe an ink like, or if someone like, if English is even open or something, just something that little step up, even a TV show or on an undercard of a big fight night, just something that's going to step, that take that next step up then in the game because I think after next year and I'll be ready and I've had the I've had the experience, I've had the fights, you know, and then we're ready to get the ball rolling properly. So the final thing really is about like your sponsorships and your support and I know you've got a great deal of support um, but the sponsorships is always something I encourage fighters to make sure that they give a shout out to because without that support you sometimes not able to progress your career forward because you can't pay for your medicals you can't pay for certain things that you need to have you've got you know conditioning that you need to have done you've got physio that potentially you need to have done so who are the guys and companies that are, are supporting you at the moment and and is there also space for other people listening to sort of say Do you know what i'd like this guy and so i like the sound of where he's going i might actually sort of invest into him so yeah, big thank you to all my sponsors, you know, no excuses training, um, you got Primal Sports, Bay Security, Josh Thomas Accounting, um, Lee Vickovs really helps me out a lot behind uh, behind closed doors, um, we got Milton Scaffolding Trap Packs over in um, LA, also yeah, I've got Jack's Kitchen, all. if anyone's ever been to Jack's Kitchen, you've probably seen it on my store, at people who follow me, best food in Manchester, you know, I'm a foodie, does burgers, mac and cheese, chip like Nando's platters, all sorts of, all the good stuff anyway. So yeah, get yourselves down there. You know, I've got a really good like little firm going on. There is space for more though, you know, any hands a helping hand, do you know what I mean? There's little things that people can help out with and there's big things that people can help with. Everyone like seems to think that us boxers get everything, you know, easy or for free or we've got loads of money. Like a lot of people need to realize like it comes when we're like at Canelo level yeah. or something like that, you know, because it is, it is a hard game, you know, like 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 we was talking about before, you know, we've got physio, food, uh, boxing equipment, inchy, you know, I've got a pair of running shoes over there because I run all the time. I've got to buy the best pair or I'd be, my legs would be knackered. So they're like 300 quid. You know, you've got your gloves, your head guard, your groin guard, you know, custom gum shields. Yeah. The, list, the list goes on, you know what I mean? So, a big shout out to my sponsors that make this happen, make this able to happen, you know, my career. And thank you for the continued support. What about your socials? What about the socials? Because obviously people are going to listen and going to think, well, if I don't already follow him, I want to follow him. Where can they do that? Yeah, so my Instagram is billy.dennis. Um, I don't even, I have a Twitter, but like, I, I've not used it for like years. So I don't even, I don't even know what, I just got it once in, because everyone had it in college. So, Probably need to get back on that to be fair, but Billy Dennis is my mate is my Instagram account where you can find me. But yeah, like, honestly, um, the support is amazing. You know, I have a big following. You know from yourself, like even from kickboxing, like when I was fighting on that show, everyone knew because yeah, like three thirds of the three thirds of the venue was my crowd. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so the t- um, the crowd's growing. Yeah. You know, the followers are growing. Ticket sales are robots to the main yeah. thing. Well, yeah. You know what I mean, like. Kevin always says to me, like, you could be an amazing boxer, but you can't sell a ticket, you know, or you could be a real, like, not the best boxer, but you sell thousands of tickets. I feel like boxing, you know, you've got to have that superstar package, and I really do feel like I bring that, 
you know, I'm good at what I do, I look good, I bring a crowd, you know, I've got a little bit of extra thing like I'm Turkish, you know what I mean? There's a potential massive fight in Turkey in the future and that's a whole, there's a good few million followers there, you know. Yeah. Even that's just in Turkey, like, there's a lot of Turks over here, you know. Like in London, it's massive Turkish community. Manchester's growing massively Turkish community. More and more of them are following me on Instagram and messaging me and it's it's amazing to see, but I'm from Manchester, like... <laughs> So you can't, you're not getting a better crowd than Manchester. Do you know what I mean? All my mates are big football fans. Half of them are City, half of them United. So it's not like, oh, I'm not going because you support United. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't support them all team. You know, I'm a Manchester boy, so whoever wins, wins. But yeah, it's it's just, it's an amazing combination. You know, I've got mint sponsors. I'm, I'm a Manchester lad with a good Manchester support. Like That's why all them big shows are in Manchester because you ain't... Yeah. You know, like you ain't getting a crowd like a Manchester crowd. No, no, we're known all over the world for it. You know, and and yeah, it's just it's let's just keep it growing. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you on. Like I said at the start when we did this, it's really surreal doing it because all them years ago, watching you as a young boy come through the kickboxing gym, going into these competitions, winning, being there supporting you, being there in training, doing everything that we you know we've done before you transitioned over to boxing. It's kind of really like a bit of a come full circle moment for, for me for, to see you in this position so I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes but everybody listening of course if you want to follow Billy he's told you where to do it if you want to sponsor him he's told you what to do to get in touch with him please make sure you do and we'll all be watching for you we'll all be looking out for you and uh, probably in the next 12 to 18 months we'll probably see you on the Sky Sports and Box I wouldn't surprise me anyway hopefully mate that's the Joe you know I'm not what, as long as I've got that step up or someone's picked me you know, there's, there's a lot of promoters nowadays, you know, when I was younger, there was only really Eddie Earn and Frank Warren. Yep. You know, you've got Ben Shalom, Eddie Earn, Frank Warren, uh, Wazaman Brothers, you know, yep. Channel 5. There's just, there's loads that you can, there's just loads of different things now that you can get signed to and it's it's, it's better for us boxers because there's more variety in choice out there and more likely chance to get signed. Yeah. But, you know, there is the big the big dogs, you know, your Eddie Earn and your Ben Shalom, so... It's come knocking soon, boys. Yeah, <laughs> Billy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on, doing the episode. Looking forward to seeing where you go and where you get to. Nice to see you, Sean. Take care of it. Well, there we go, guys. That was Billy Dennis, the Turkish Tyson. Really, really happy to get Billy on. You've heard the episode. You've heard me talking about us reminiscing on the kickboxing days, me watching him grow into the man that he is today, becoming a professional boxer, getting into a sport that I love so much and to see where he's at at the moment is still quite surreal to me and there's still time for him to go on and do big things in the sport and it's really good that he's took the opportunity to come on the show and really talk about his journey. I hope you guys have enjoyed it and if you have, please do let us know at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, on Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast Network, you can find us on YouTube, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram as well. Please do make sure you do like and share the episode, all of Billy's family and friends, people that I know pretty well. I hope you guys have enjoyed it and I hope those that are learning about Billy and seeing his journey, I hope you guys have also enjoyed listening to what Billy has had to say and what his future plans are and you probably will be seeing him on your screen sometime soon. I don't have any doubts that Billy will make an exciting TV fighter. So please make sure you follow his career. You can find him. As he said, it's Billy Dennis. Now, he pronounces Dennis in the Turkish way. So it's actually spelled D-E-N-I-Z. So make sure if you do 
look for him on social media. You type in Billy, D-E-N-I-Z, and you will find him on Instagram, and you can find him on Facebook as well. But that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Ones to Watch podcast. Podcast Network.